Have you ever felt nervous before giving a talk? Have you done the talk or speech and then felt bad or uncomfortable or embarrassed or ashamed afterwards? Did you ever want a certain outcome so bad and then when you didn't get it, you just felt terrible? If so, then you're a human and you are going to learn how to deal with each of those scenarios, how to break free of them, and how to just come to a deeper place of self-acceptance and courage and power. So that stuff does not stop you from getting out there and doing it again and again and better and better. And that's all going to be contained inside of The Reverend Story. Coming to you from the Center for Social Confidence in Portland, Oregon, welcome to Shrink for the Shy Guy, helping men everywhere go from social anxiety to social domination with your host, Dr. Aziz. Welcome to today's episode of the show. Excited to be with you here today. And if you want to jump into the conversation, uh, call me on the studio hotline, 206-338-3176. That's 206-338-3176. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash social confidence. And that's where you can jump into the conversation, uh, share what you're learning, what you're experiencing, challenges, sticking points, and we can all support each other to more confidence more badassness. Also go to shrinkfortheshyguy.com to check out more about the show. You can get show notes there as well as send me a message uh, through that site as well. Today, we're going to get into the Reverend story. Now, the Reverend story is uh, is something personal from my own life. And uh, I want to share it with you because there's so many lessons in there about what can get us stuck, what can make us feel anxious or self-doubt or self-critical how to work with it, how to break free of it, and ultimately just, you know, how to love ourselves more is one of the elements of the story. And it, uh, another reason I want to share it is because I want to highlight how all of this stuff that I teach, I'm still working on myself. And that this illusion or idea that someone out there, maybe you've, you know, put that on me. I know I've put that on other people, teachers of mine, where I'm like, oh, they're, they got it all figured out, man. Just, I just got to be more like them. Or, oh, they don't struggle with this anymore because they're so great. And that's why I wanted to share this story is, well, I am great, but so are you. We're all great. And we're all still working on our shit, right? So this is why I wanted to kind of highlight this. And it's fun and interesting. So the Reverend story, it's a story of glory, attachment, hubris, and ultimately liberation. So sit back and enjoy. Let's dive into it. So uh, basically, I am a reverend. I am uh, from the Church of the Internet. Oh, yes, the Universal Life Church or whatever it is. You go on and you, you fill out a form and you pay them 10 bucks, and you are then ordained to, uh, to do weddings and other stuff like that. And the first time I got I even did that is because a good friend of mine uh, from high school and college approached me when he was getting married and said, hey, will, will you marry me and my wife? And I was really surprised. I'd never done anything like that before, and I was honored. I said, wow, that's really cool. Thank you. I got that's I was very excited about it. And so this was a number of years back and on the flight over there I sat down and I wrote with my journal and I just like okay what would I want to say and and I just poured my heart into it. And they also gave me an outline of, you know, how to do the rest of the ceremony. So they helped me out. And then I got there and um <laughs> actually fell ill. I had some sort of horrible uh 
instant rapid decline onset of food poisoning or something. I remember we were in this big supermarket called Fred Meyer, which is out on the, on the, in the East Coast or Midwest, wherever they were, Detroit area. I guess that's Midwest. And we were walking around the store, me and my wife and a, and a few other people, and I started looking around. It's this big box department store like a Target or a Walmart. And I was looking around and I was like, man, um, you know, after you've run for a really long time, you kind of want to put your, you want to kind of bend over and put your hands like right above your knees and start breathing more heavily. I wanted to do that. And I looked around and I was like, this, uh, this store has a terrible lack of benches and seating. And <laughs> so I remember I went out and like I sat on the curb and I wanted to like lay down on the sidewalk. I was like, what's happening to me? And then I just like barfed all night long. It was terrible. It was horrible. I was so sick. And um, his family, he and his wife and all their family are all doctors. So they're like coming in like throughout the night, like you're missing the reception dinner. Are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. And uh, um, and uh, and at one point, my like uh, his uh, the bride's mom is a is a family medicine doctor. She comes in. She's like, yeah, you're fine. It's food poisoning. It'll pass. And then my friend comes in later, and he's like, I have an injection that will help you with a nausea. Do you want it? And I was like, what the fuck? Where did you get an? In- We're like out at a beach house. Like, what do you? Where'd you get this? Do you travel with this stuff? And he's like, do you want it or not? And I was like, uh, okay. So he injected me with this thing. And dude, it was the worst choice ever. I got so much worse. I was like, then it was like burning vomit. And it was, I don't know, Joe. Anyway, I made it through. The next day I felt like I stopped throwing up. I was just really weak. And the wedding was at like 4 p.m. or something. And, and I was still in bed, man. I, I didn't, I didn't, it was like, like noon and people were coming in and like, are you gonna be able to do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. I can do it. And uh, so... It's like two o'clock and, and when I'm lying in bed, I'm just like rehearsing what I want to say and I'm getting prepared for it. And then eventually uh, it's about, you know, an hour before it's going to start. And I grab my phone and go to YouTube and I start playing the final countdown. And if you know that song, I don't even know who it's by. Journey or something? I don't know. Maybe not. It, you know, it's the final countdown. And I start just playing that again and again and get myself like pumped up. And then I, and I get out there. I'm a little shaky and whatever, but it's beautiful. It's on some, I think it's one of the Great Lakes is where we did it on the beach. And, and I just shared, it was really from my heart. And um, so I talked about love and like sort of the commitment that comes with, with diving into loving all of someone and uh, married them. And it was awesome. It was incredible. And I just felt really free and, and shared. And, and no one there knew that what I do for a living, really. All of my friends were from earlier in life. They don't know that I talk and speak and train and teach for a living. And so afterwards, uh, everyone was amazed. Um, the, the, the bride's father who funded the whole wedding was very skeptical of them having their, their high school buddy marry them. And so he was very you know wary and skeptical. And he came up afterwards and he, sh- he shook my hand. He was like, that was very powerful. Thank you. And then for the rest of the night, the rest of the reception, random people were just coming up to me and being like, that was incredible. That was awesome. Thank you so much. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> I'm the man, you know, just riding high. Just, just, um, you know, just, I, this is so great. I'm so happy. I love them and, and everyone's appreciating me. And I'm, you know, so I got a lot of love, but I also got a lot of significance, right? So incredible. You might be listening to this and being like, wait a minute. I thought this was a story of, 
of getting attached and being nervous and having a hard time. Like, what the fuck? He's just bragging. This is the setup, my friend. This is the setup. This is the glory part of the tale. And, um, and, then, it, and then we know how it goes from there. But anyway, so that was my first experiencing of reverending. And then I was approached a couple years later, just just recently, by another friend who was at that wedding who said, hey, I want you to marry me. I mean, that was awesome what you did. So can you come do that for us? And of course, I said, you know, yeah. Do I, do I want a repeat of that experience? Hell yeah. And so I agreed. And then we enter into chapter two of the story, which is going to come right after this. We're going to take a quick break and then get back into chapter two of the Reverend story. Hey, what's up, J-Dog? Sup, Wizzy? Nothing. Hey, man, I just saw this video on YouTube from this pickup artist dude. He says he slept with 40,000 women. Damn. I know. He said if you want to hook up, you have to make fun of women so they want you. I can dig it. Word. I'm going to try it now with her. Check this out. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Cool. Cool. Your shirt is really big. It doesn't fit you very well. Uh, what a mean thing to say, jerk. Uh, yeah. It looks like the kind of shirt a woman who, who is much fatter than you are would wear. Ugh, get away from me. Okay. How'd it go, man? Pretty good. She talked with me for like 30 seconds. Damn. That's a long time, man. Did you get her number? Almost. But th- then she had to go. Damn. Are you tired of pickup artist tactics and approaches that don't feel genuine? 30 Days to Dating Mastery teaches you proven confidence building principles to increase your confidence with women, all while being yourself. No manipulative tactics needed. Go to 30daystodatingmastery.com to get your copy today. Welcome back. So here we are. I'm going to go to officiate a second wedding. And after the first one, I was a demigod. I was Thor, right? I was the man. So I'm coming into it like, yeah, I got this, man. And um, so I didn't uh, prepare anything. (laughs) And I said, I'll just prepare it on the plane, right? That's what I did last time. Stick with what works. Uh, However, I didn't factor in. Now uh, I was traveling with a a year and a half old toddler. And I don't know if you have kids or if you've done that, but holy shit, you don't have any downtime to uh, be writing a speech. Uh, At least we didn't. And um, we're flying. It's multiple flights. We're flying from Portland to Pensacola, Florida. And we're traveling layover in Dallas. I mean, it's just like full on day of travel with a little kid. So I didn't get a chance. And then when I got there, um, again, still taking care of a kid. So I had to kind of, I went to the beach and, and but I did, I had some time and I created something that I thought was really heartfelt. I actually talked with my wife. She's amazing. She's a teacher too. And we talked about, you know, love and marriage and kind of, um, ways to highlight some of the, um, the gifts in the, in the relationship that are not necessarily automatic. They don't come by default, but if you take on these certain practices, how, you can have just an incredible relationship, which is what we have. And so I wanted to share that with this couple that was getting married and everyone there at the wedding. So I, was, I wrote it. I was excited about it. That was very good. And then I realized like, oh man, I got to memorize this. And that's not how I work. Like if you're listening to this, I don't have a script for any of these 
podcasts, any of my programs, I'll just take um, bullet points. I'll write a few sentences out. Like for this episode, I wrote out um, first reverend gig, comma, demigod. <laughs> and that's enough for me to know, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about the first one. But for this thing, I was like, I got to memorize something. So I make sure I deliver it. And I was trying to memorize it. And I didn't have that much time. And I was on the beach. And, and then I had to go help my wife with my kid. And then anyway, long story short, I sort of I got it down. But I didn't have it like really ingrained in there. And then uh, we get to, and I'm really nervous too. I'm more nervous, way more nervous this time than I was last time, which is really interesting because I do a lot of speaking and I'll get nervous ahead of time. But I, um, it's like this kind of energy building and like, oh, here we go. Kind of like getting on a roller coaster. But I know I'm just going to nail it because I have done it so many times and I have a lot of self-efficacy and belief in myself for public speaking. But for some reason with this one, I was like nervous and like, you know, that self-doubt kind of nervous you get where it's like, oh man, am I going to, what if I mess this up? There's so much pressure. So riding on this, uh, I was feeling all that. And I was like, okay, here we go. And uh, it's getting closer to the time and I'm memorizing it, practicing it again and again. Eventually I'm just like, I can't practice this anymore. I got to just do this. And uh, so we drive to the place. It's also on a beach. Uh, it's on in Pensacola, Florida, on the Gulf Coast there in the um, uh, southern part of the United States. And everyone's gathering there. I'm waiting up there with the groom. And we're about to uh, start the ceremony. It's a very small wedding, very intimate, kind of like a destination wedding. So just, just the, the closest people to this couple. And I'm standing up there. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, the wedding planner lady comes out and she's like, you're going to stand there. And it's like, you know, I'm kind of looking at the couple and the, and the audience. And I'm standing there with the groom. We're waiting for the bride to come out. She comes up. She's like, you're going to stand there. And I was like, uh, yeah. And she's like, no, 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 no. You need to stand like with your back to the audience facing the couple. And I was like, what? I've never, what are you talking about? Like, I've never seen that. I've uh, been to a lot of weddings, my own wedding, seen a lot of movies. I've never seen that before. She's like, listen, I've done 2,000 weddings, okay? And that's how it's like always done. And I was like, uh, I looked at the groom and he's like, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. And I was like, well, I think we're just going to do it this way. So I was really proud of myself there. I was assertive. But it also kind of was like an intense interaction to have like moments before the uh, speech, right? So here we go. Uh, I mean, shake it off. I'm like, here we go. Here we go, Z's. Take some deep breaths. Self-compassion. And then, you know, bride comes out. She's beautiful. Music's really sweet. I mean, it's just the most beautiful. I mean, I love weddings. This really sweet moment. And then we begin. And then I start talking and I just realized like, oh, that's right. I can do this. And so I start sharing and um, I'm energetic and I'm engaging and I'm interacting with people. But then um, I noticed the bride and the groom, like the groom is kind of looking off a lot and the, and the bride is like, like uh, looking really distracted. She's kind of like looking down. I can't tell if she's really restless or what's going on with her. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I keep talking. And then I look out at the audience and everyone's kind of, sh- a lot of people, I don't know everyone, but a lot of people are a little shifty. Like people are looking down. A lot of, I notice a lot of people are looking down. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I just, uh, I lose it. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my little uh, speech and I just go into like anxious abort mode. I'm like, abort, abort. Like you're losing them. You're losing them. Jump ahead to the ceremony part. So I cut out 
a big chunk of the middle of my of my little speech, my little sermon. And it was like the part that had the jokes in it. It was the part that had some some sweetness in it, you know. And I just cut it all out, not really consciously. It wasn't a real conscious decision. It was just like, have <laughs> you ever done that during a speech where it's not like you methodically think about what what strategically to remove? You just spaz out, and and then all of a sudden you're at the end of your talk, <laughs> and that's what I did. And um and then and then we did the ceremony, and the exchanging of the rings and all that, and it was very beautiful, very sweet, and no one knew that I did this. No one knew that I cut part of it out um, because no one had heard it before. And to them, it was great. And But to me, something weird was happening inside of me and I could feel it. And right as it was over, I was like, oh man, like what, what just happened there? And then afterwards, when I started talking to people, I discovered what really was going on and I was even more, I mean, it shifted even more. So stay tuned, right? You're going to take a quick break and you're going to find out what was really going on during this talk. And then we're going to dive into how to work with this, what came afterwards, how to work with the discomfort of not doing what you wanted to do and any shame that comes up afterwards. I'm going to help you shift all of that through this story. So stay tuned. We'll be right back right after this. The other day I was at the supermarket and I saw this cute guy in the produce aisle I was hoping he would come and talk to me. I gave him all the signals. I looked at him for a second to get his attention. I stood nearby pretending to look at some apples and I even smiled at him as I walked by. He just looked nervous, averted his eyes and turned away. It was almost as if he wanted to talk to me but just didn't know what to say or do. It was a shame too. I was really hoping to meet him. I've been feeling lonely recently. Are you tired of being that guy? I personally spent many years in that place where there was women everywhere around me that would have dated me if I just had the courage to go talk to them. And that is the same that is true for you. Even if you think you're too short or too fat or not rich enough, that is all just stories in your head. And if you want to learn how to transform that and break through to the next level and create the relationships that you really want just by being yourself, then go to www. 30 days to datingmastery.com and get started today. So there I was. I'd just given the talk. They were doing all the photos afterwards on the beach. And I was talking to some people. And uh, a couple of people have said, hey, that was really great. And have you ever had that where if you didn't perform in the way that you wanted to, it's hard to take in someone giving you a compliment? And in my mind, I was like, yeah, right. They're just saying that. That wasn't great. You know, and I, didn't even, I was like, whoa, that's intense. It was like, a, like this kind of critical judgmental energy inside of me that I, I don't, it used to be, I mean, my entire life was that. And, and now after all this work that I've done and everything, I don't, I don't go there as often. It's, it's, it's more noticeable when I go there. So all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. I'm rejecting compliments. I'm being critical of myself. And, and then I was talking with someone. I was like, oh, as I say, it was great. I was like, oh, thanks. You know, it's interesting. I, I actually left a, a portion out because I noticed a lot of people were uh, looking down and I interpreted that as maybe uh, people weren't as engaged. And he laughed and he's like, oh no, man, you were oriented. So the sun was right behind you guys and it was kind of close to sunset. And it's, he's like, the sun was in all of our faces. It was brutal. It's like, if we looked at you guys, it was burning our eyes. And I was like, really? And then someone else said that. And then I was like, oh, 
shit, oh man. And then later on the bride was telling me, she's like, oh my God, the reason I was late, because we were all kind of waiting for her out there. She's like, the reason I was late is I was putting on my eye makeup and I like got some uh, uh, mascara in my eye and it was burning and burning and burning and I was washing it out for like 15 minutes and I, and I just had to go out there even though my eye was burning. So when you were talking, my eye was burning so much. And I was like, oh, man. And then the groom told me, he's like, yeah, your, your speech was great. I was so focused on trying to remember my vows that I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. Right. So have you ever. So this this is one of the lessons that I want to share from the reverend story is we do that all the time. We misinterpret the uh, reactions of the audience because we're I'm coming to it from a place of I'm nervous. I'm going to mess this up. And, and we, we misinterpret what's going on. And it goes through this, this bad filter in our head where we then doubt ourselves. So that was a huge reminder for me to be really careful about how I'm interpreting what's happening and, and be wary of hastily jumping to the conclusion that it's all going terribly. People think I'm boring. People don't like me, right? Because that's, what, um, that's just fear and self-doubt that's going to feed on that. And it reminded me of a lot. I mean, it just threw me right back to maybe when I was younger and giving talks was I was terrible and scared and all that stuff. So I realized, oh, wow, that's still in there. And what a great reminder to like step, step up and keep offering and not necessarily interpret everything as people don't like me or they're not engaged. So that was a great breakthrough for me. And then the better, even bigger breakthrough came later because afterwards, I just felt low, man. I felt like I failed. I had all this stuff come up. Like I failed them. I didn't do as, you know, I didn't share what I really wanted to share. It was like not funny. Um, I suck. I, they, they think it was bad. They're just being nice and saying they liked it. I, you know, it was on and on and on. And it was really intense. I was going on for the rest of that evening, kind of in the background. At the same time, I was hanging out with friends and enjoying it. But that was sort of in the back burner and the next, like that, um, that night and the next morning, really strong. And I was talking about it with my, well, with my wife the next morning up early before our son got up. And I was like, what's like, this is weird. I usually don't, what's going on? I'm attacking myself so much. And through talking with her and then looking at it later on my, on my own, I realized that it all goes back to that first experience. The demigod reverending. So I came in with this, uh, this this expectation that it's going to be just like that and that I have to be amazing. And there was it's so much significance and attachment to being significant wrapped up in there. Like, I got to be amazing. I got to wow everyone. And I did before, and now I didn't. People said it was good. A lot of people said they liked it and it was good, but it wasn't the same level of their minds were blown. And I was like, wow. So like a part of me got really attached to significance wanting to be really special and great and amazing, which is horribly ironic because it's not about me, right? I'm there to like help this beautiful couple be married. We want it to be about them. And so I kept bringing my focus to, to that is like, I want to bring it to what's it really about? And so when you give a talk or have an experience and you're really beating yourself up afterwards, I want you to look at what is it that I'm comparing myself to? And in this case, I was comparing it to some past experience, and you might be doing that as well. Like you do a presentation and you're comparing it to that, you know, your ideal presentation, the perfect presentation you did. Or you could be comparing it to something that, that doesn't even exist, that you never even did. Just some mental model, some idea of like, I'm supposed to be 
this way and you're comparing yourself to it and you're not and then you feel like shit. And so what you want to do is you want to look at what is it that I'm comparing myself to? And when I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be this amazing speaker that blows everyone's mind. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm familiar with that one. You know, and, um, uh, and it's a pride position. I talk about that in a, in a previous episode. I think it's called The Secret to Self-Acceptance. It's a ways back now, maybe um, end of 2014. But um, that's what you want to look at is what is the expectation or demand? And then you just got to let it go, man. Like I was just like, wow, I was demanding I'd be perfect and amazing. And you know what? I don't have to be. I just got to be a human. Because underneath that demand is the fear is like, well, if I'm not perfect and amazing, then and I don't wow everyone and impress them, they're not going to love me. You know, and these people aren't going to love me. And I realized I was inserting that belief in there. Like my friends don't love me. Their parents aren't, they don't love me. And I was like, you know what, man, that's, I don't need to be that. Just showing up, just being there and sharing with them and giving my heart and, and holding the space for them and being the efficient for them. And that's what a beautiful act of love to give that to them and to also be, to be asked to give that to them. And then as I, as I, and I just kind of started, it started to unravel a little bit and soften over that day. And then just every time I thought about it, you know, and if, if you had this ex- an experience where you think back to a painful one, like your speech wasn't good enough or you were at a party or whatever, and you didn't do what you wanted to do. And you think back to it and you have that kind of critical cringing energy, like, oh, oh. Every time I had that, I would just say, I would just let go and send myself love and be like, I don't have to be anything other than what I was. It was perfect. I'm okay. And I, I'm just human. Sometimes I nail it out of the park and sometimes it's okay. And sometimes I can fall flat on my face and it's all okay. And as I did that over the next few days and weeks, it really started to unravel. And then it cracked open and I could feel the beauty and the love in that moment and the perfection of that moment. And how the speech was perfect, exactly as it was. And a friend of mine, which um, I really appreciated, uh, has a lot of experience with AA. And he said, there's three things that, that, that they talk about when it comes to what you share in AA, which is one is there's what you intended to say, what you wanted to say. Then there's what you actually said. And then there's what you wish you would have said afterwards. And I just laughed when I heard that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of how it went for me there. And this is humanist came out of it. The self-love came out of it. And that's really what I want for you is to just, when you look back at that experience, just letting go of any demand on yourself. It's okay. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be the best. You can be loved just as you are. And, and now when I think back to that moment, instead of it being a painful moment, it's just like this sweet moment on the beach. And I feel a lot of love. And I feel so much gratitude because it taught me so much. And it helped me learn even more to share with people that I work with and share with you today. So when we really let go of these demands, it's amazing how many gifts open up. And that actually brings us to our action step where you're going to apply this in your own life. Time for action. Your action step for today is to... Take one of the lessons that you got. What is one lesson you got? What is your, the most valuable thing you got from this story today? And notice what that is and then commit to applying it in your life. So your one, your one takeaway, your one big aha, maybe there's multiple, but just the most valuable one, the first one that comes to your mind, you know, really decide, see what that is and then decide to apply that in your life. Take it away. And just, I'm going to put it in my world. I'm going to use this, whether it's I'm going to let go of those standards or expectations and be more compassionate myself 
or I'm not going to interpret as quickly what's happening with people when I talk to them. What, or maybe something else. I mean, there's, there's, there's as many lessons in this story as, as there are people listening to it. So you can draw what you need from it and apply it in your life. And let us know. Go to facebook.com forward slash social confidence to share what you learned, what you took away from it. And until we speak again, may you have the courage to be who you are and to know on a deep level that you're awesome. Thanks for listening to Shrink for the Shy Guy with Dr. Aziz. If you know anyone who can benefit from what you've just heard, please let them know and send them a link to shrinkfortheshyguy.com. For free blogs, ebooks, and training videos related to overcoming shyness and increasing confidence, go to socialconfidencecenter.com.